Well, welcome back, everybody, to Two Pastors and a Mic. My name's Shanik. And I'm Corey. And I just want to say thank you for tuning in today and listening. We so appreciate that. Also, we appreciate you leaving a review if you haven't already. And as Corey has been talking about the last few weeks, if you are not on Apple Podcasts, would you just share our post on social media, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, whatever we would love for your friends. Snapchat, TikTok, whatever you got. Whatever Twitter. you got. Yeah, we'd love for your friends to join us as well. Instant message, text somebody. Text yeah. somebody, hey, check this out. Especially this week's episode, we're going to get a little controversial. But first off, question of the week. What is something, oh, this question of the week is a little controversial. What oh, wow. is something okay. as a pastor you shouldn't like, but you do? Shouldn't like, but I do. I'm just going to throw it out there and say, I really like wine. Wine them, dine them. I really like wine. And not just, not just drinking wine. I just like the atmosphere of wineries. And so, yes, your pastor, I love to take Melanie for our date nights, date days, whatever they are. You will probably find us at a new winery doing take doing tastings. That's what we love to go and do. I guess that's okay for me to like as a pastor. Absolutely, I guess. Maybe <laughs> so you shouldn't like, but you do. I guess, yeah. Who knows? I love rap music, and I probably shouldn't. And I don't know what else to say other than I do. I used to use excuses like oh, it's just the beat, but. You threw on a song this week in your Jeep, and it's been probably 15 years since I heard it, and I knew every lyric. It oh, just that came Ludacris back, song? The Ludacris song. It just came back to me. I was like, Whoa. You did know every single word of that song. I won't. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. Anyways, <laughs> you know. Like that, all rap music? <laughs> I, Most no, of it? Not, all, not like new school. Like, I like old school. I like, I like good. Okay, man, I have a very specific judgment towards rap people it's got to have a good beat there's got to be good flow there's got to be great wordplay and man yeah that's yeah, kinda... honestly one of the reasons why i don't like some of the new school rap i feel like it's not like cussing really bothers me because it doesn't but i feel like they just use like f-bombs and all this stuff just for filler words like they maybe. mean nothing to the song maybe they bring nothing to the table. That's why I really like NF. He's like super emotional and dark, yeah. but it is, he doesn't cuss in his music. Yeah. He reminds me a lot of Eminem. Yeah. That's probably why I like him so much. M's my guy. Yeah. He's go, the goat. Go way back. He, he is the goat. I'm glad you said that because we agree. The greatest of all time. So this week's episode of Two Pastors and a Mic, we're talking about things Christians should stop yep. saying. This is part four. What are we saying Christians? should stop saying you ready yeah. ready for the controversy yeah this is probably one of the most controversial podcasts that but we've had in a while we're going to explain it yeah and we're going to go into it but christians should stop saying the bible clearly says yes stop saying the bible clearly says because the bible clearly says a lot of things that contradict itself right and you got to think about it this way there is a reason there there are thirty three thousand different denominations mm -hmm. of christianity mm-hmm because if the Bible clearly said something, then we probably would only have one <laughs> if <laughs> ding, we ding, really ding, stop ding. and think about it, right? Yeah. So before, okay, if you're listening and you've been around us, you get to have small talk about certain things. We love to have theological conversations. In fact, our we have an open door policy here at our church. If you want to have a conversation, text us, email us. We've given out our, our phone and uh, emails before. Yep. We would love to go out to coffee, maybe just chat about certain things that you might 
what do you mean there's contradiction? Because I just said the Bible clearly has contradictions, and we're gonna I'm gonna show you some of them literally in, in scripture this morning. But people tend to use this word in Christian circles in a dogmatic way of this is what I believe, so I've been taught, so this is what I'm going to stand on because the Bible is clear about this topic. But the Bible sometimes is only clear in your English translations based on the denominational poll that those translators translated the Bible in. For example, I'm just going to throw this out. I know we weren't going to talk about this, and we're not going to talk about whether or not we believe this is right or wrong. This We'll, we'll probably save this for another episode. But this tends to get used a lot in the argument against homosexuality. Oh, the Bible is clear about what it says about homosexuality. However, if you just do a quick Google search, and you can do this right now while you're listening to us, the word homosexual wasn't added to the English Bible until 1946. Mm-hmm. And if that is news for you, you probably need to do a lot more studying on the subject and the topic at hand. The The two Greek words that get translated in um, homosexuality, one is a word that was talking about to penetrate in any specific way that someone got penetrated, usually in a military form, like you get penetrated with a sword. The other one was a word that, that uh, Paul honestly made up. It's not a word in the original Greek. Like he made up the word and it became a word mm-hmm. in the Bible. And so... So many Christians are divisive over specific type, uh, topics because they think the Bible clearly says, and then it requires you to do more study and be like, man, maybe the Bible doesn't clearly say this. Maybe this is a gray issue. And I have, we have a lot more. Yeah. And I'm, I'm glad you just went there right away because there are different things in translations and how uh, the translators put things that if they just are off by one word or even like a comma or things like that, like it changes the entire meaning of the verse. And I think I might've talked about it on this podcast, but one thing that has been blowing my mind lately, and if I haven't talked about it, you get to hear it right now, is this idea of even like Galatians 2.20. And that was kind of like my go-to verse in so many messages, how I closed out sermons. But Galatians 2.20 says, for I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. The life I now live, I live by faith in the son who loved me and gave his life for me. And I'm thinking, cool, I love that verse. My faith's in Jesus. And it's his life now living through me. But when you actually look at the original translation of that passage, it says, the life I now live, I live by faith of the Son, Hmm. not faith in the Son. And that might not sound that big of a difference to you, but think about this. If it's faith of the Son, not in the Son, then it's not my faith. It's Jesus's faith all along in my life. My goodness. And so when you think about that, it changes the dynamic of everything that that verse was talking about. Yeah. And so there's little things like that where we can't just go around saying, you know, well, the Bible clearly says, and I will say that this isn't true in every situation, but the people that like to use that phrase, the Bible clearly says also are people that a lot of times aren't very well studied. And a lot of people who won't actually look at other textbooks or they won't look at other authors that try to bring clarity to different Greek passages or stories of what the Bible is saying. I know a lot of people are like, nope, I got the Jesus. I got Jesus. (laughs) I got the Jesus. I got, man, I got, I got my Bible and I got the Holy Spirit and that's Mm -hmm. all I need. And it's like, wait, and I understand what they're saying. And yes, the Holy Spirit illuminates and he plays a part. But when we're just looking at our English translation, sometimes we get like 
we don't get the full maybe truth or the full story whenever something was written in a dead language to, to people 2000 years ago, right? In a first century context, we, we don't have all the information and knowledge sometimes to just say, oh, well, this clearly yeah. says. In a culture that we do not, not only do we not know, we don't understand. Right. And so when people say that, they're saying from their own cultural context, which is a 21st century American, for the most part, uh, obviously there's Christians all over the world, but they would say, oh, just my Bible and the Holy Spirit. But they don't understand that they've already been influenced by American culture and American Christianese. And so the, the bias that we have towards this, not, yeah. let alone the King, people were like, oh, I just do the King James is written in 1611. The King James was written from the Greek translation of the Hebrew Old Testament. So it's already two removed, two languages removed. Not only was that, that the case for the Old Testament, but it was also uh, translated from Latin which Latin was translated from Greek. So again, the New Testament in the King James is two languages removed. Mm -hmm. And so it's like crazy how, and and you can even do your own study on King James, uh, what words he would change in their translations and say like, no, because they predominantly wanted it to say a specific things. And so again, are all translations equal? No, but that's why you should read multiple translations and learn some biblehub.com is a great... Biblehub.com is a great resource mm-hmm. for you today to learn, okay, this Greek word can mean eight different things and it totally changes the sentence and no one knows what it actually means, but it could mean one of those eight things. And you see that in the story of John 8 when it says, go and sin no more. That's not that's that's what it's written in your English Bible. But when you look at the original Greek, it could also mean gone. Your sin is no more, which totally changes the meaning behind the passage. Yeah. Well, what's crazy about that story is if you notice when you read your Bible, it's in italics. Yeah. Because it wasn't even in any original document. Yeah. So they don't know necessarily when it was added. Now it's a, does, does it portray Jesus in a great way? Sure. Mm -hmm. So we can, we can use it and use it in illustrations and sermons and messages, but it also wasn't in the original Bible. So we can't say that, well, the Bible clearly says this. Well, it wasn't in in the yeah. original, but I, I'm glad you also brought up like this bias that we bring to things. And I know you already use like the homosexual conversation and how that word didn't even get added till 1946, but there are other things and other biases where some words have been omitted and they've never been added back in. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking through uh, Paul when he's talking to the Corinthian church and he's talking about, I do not permit a woman to teach. But in the original Greek, if you go through that passage, one, why would Paul say, I don't permit a woman to teach whenever like two chapters earlier, he says that women can use their gifts and prophesy as long as their face is covered, you know? (laughs) And, and so it's crazy. But then whenever you think about like these letters to the Corinthian church, this is multiple times that Paul has written to the church, the church has written back, Paul is writing in response to them. And when that, that, that verse that says, I do not permit a woman to teach, you know, before men, there's a word that's left out. And it's the word, what exclamation point, question mark, exclamation point, like an emphatic, wait, you're writing me to say and ask the question, can women not teach what? Like, you're crazy. Did, 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 he said, then goes on and says, did the scripture originate with you? Yeah. Like you guys, Sarcastic like, are you serious? Question. And so when you think about it, it's like, why isn't that in there? Why isn't it taught that it was, wasn't added because that changes everything. And it's, and it's left out because there are some 
way uh, people filter the Bible, use this bias and have this lens where they don't want women in power or in ministry, that they want a men dominant, you know, sector of the church. And so they don't want that brought to light because they use that verse, what, to keep women submitted to them. Yeah. Instead of reading it in that way and saying, no, women, we want to empower you, lift you up to be on an equal playing field with us is what yeah. they should be doing. Yeah. I thought you were going to go into Philippians when Paul, yeah. when in the passage scripture where it says every tongue will confess and every knee will bow, yeah. the translators removed the word removed joyfully. The word. Yep. So it actually reads, if you can go fact check us in the original G, uh, Greek, it says every tongue will joyfully confess, right. which means it's not It's forced. not forced. Yeah. So what do you He's think? not going to like make people bow and confess yeah. his name like in this judicial courtroom like Yeah. like yeah, forcible mean manner. It's a willing it's, it's a actually joyfully. means willing and joyfully. And you know, and so and I've heard all Christians use that. So I guess are the people that quote that scripture universalists? I don't, I don't know. know. Another label. We'll talk about it another time. Yeah, just if, throw that out there. Yeah, just throw it out there. <laughs> if every tongue confess Jesus is Lord, but they and joyfully Paul said confess. Romans 10 out of 10 if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. So, whoa, yeah. what does all this stuff mean? The dun, Bible dun, dun. clearly says, Corey. The Bible clearly says a <laughs> lot of things. Here's Okay, here's some rapid fire. The Bible is clear. The Moabites are bad people. They were not to be allowed to dwell among God's people, according to Deuteronomy chapter 23. But then comes the story of Ruth. You know what Ruth is? Hmm. A Moabite. Moabite. Which she then challenges the prejudice against Moabites because she is a woman after God. The Bible is clear. People from Uz, U-Z, are evil, according to Jeremiah chapter 25. But then comes the story of Job, a man from Uz, who was actually labeled in Scripture as, quote, the, bl- the most blameless man on earth, unquote. That's ironic. The Bible is clear. No foreigners or eunuchs were allowed, according to Deuteronomy chapter 23. But then comes the story of the African eunuch who was welcomed into the church and baptized in Acts chapter 8. The Bible is clear. God's people hated Samaritans. They weren't even considered their neighbor. But then Jesus tells a story that shows that not all Samaritans are bad and, in fact, were the Jewish neighbor. You see, your story or the story of some scriptures might begin with prejudice, discrimination, and animosity, but the Spirit of God moves people towards openness, welcomeness, inclusion, acceptance, and affirmation. Hmm. Love all that. There's but a lot that's more. why we can't see. Like, we could probably sit here for the next half an hour, hour, and go through different places where, you know, one writer will say one thing, a different writer will bring in a completely different aspect or view. And why is that? I remember, I remember you preaching here um, a year or two ago, and you talked about this idea of how God progressively reveals himself throughout scripture, mm-hmm. right? Throughout the Old Testament. And so that's why I think there's writers that got the view of God and father wrong. Yeah. And that's why we believe that that's why Jesus, ultimately, one of the reasons for why he had to come because he came and Hebrews says that he is the exact representation of the father. So he that. portrays who God has always been accurately. So if it doesn't look like Jesus, then maybe someone got it wrong along the way. Maybe you should question it and it's an, it's okay to question it because maybe you didn't hear, or maybe the, some of the old Testament writers didn't hear from an angry God. Maybe they heard from an angry prophet and that's just something that you need to wrestle with. And there's a lot of different contradictions that we could just share right off the top of our head. You got, you know, how long does Yahweh's anger last? Um, Micah seven eighteen says, not forever. 
Jeremiah 17.4 says forever. So there's something you yeah. have to Which one is it? To wrestle with. Um, you have some, right? I just tried it. Is God the author of evil? Uh, no. According to 1 John 4.8, yes. According to Isaiah 45.7. So which one is it? Right. They, they also have ones, and I don't have any scripture here down like you do over there behind your laptop right now. I was but, trying to tell people that I was coming off with the top oh, of my head, but... <laughs> no, I'm telling you. Yeah, I'm bus. reading it. No, it's all good. But like even like where, you know, scripture, and I can't remember, I think it's First Samuel versus um, Chronicles, and one of them says that it was God that incited mm-hmm. David to take a census, where in Chronicles it says that it was Satan, uh, Satan mm-hmm. that incited Same story, different David person. to take a sentence. So wait, which one is it? Did God do it or did Satan do it? Yeah. There's Crazy. A lot, there's a lot there's of so, these. There's so many little places like that where we can't just say, oh, well, the Bible clearly, clearly says. Yeah. And I know one thing for me, what I've been doing recently, because if you think about it, right, the Bible is this incredible book. It's not like we want to sit here and put it down. We love our Bible. Man, if you would look at each of our Bibles, they're marked up in a good way with notes and messages and points and things highlighted for us to learn from and to glean from. Like we really do um, love studying our Bible. And so I want you to hear that. Um, But also, um, I will say this, that I know recently I was challenged um, probably three or four years ago to even stop when I'm preaching, say that scripture says, and actually start using like the writer's name. So like Paul, Paul says here in this, or Peter says this, or Jesus says this, because um, it the Bible just records, right? It's a book of recordings of what happened, mm-hmm. right? And, and so to start using the people who actually were writing it, um, instead of just saying the Bible yeah. says or scripture says. Well, because the Old Testament is the Hebrew Bible. It's not even our Bible, and it's super valuable. In yeah. fact, I would say that it's... It, one of the biggest reasons for why I believe Jesus is Messiah because he fulfilled so many prophecies that we would miss if we didn't have the Hebrew Bible. Right. But the Bible is, according to John, Jesus, or the Word, so to speak. Right. And so the Bible is not the Word of God. Jesus is the Word of God. And Christians have a really hard time wrestling with that because ultimately many people worship the Bible instead of the God that's revealed in the Bible the person that you can have a real relationship with, the person that that really causes you to change from the inside out as you start looking more like God, which is loving and forgiving and merciful. And when you see wrong happening, it's less about being retributive and more about being restorative. And that's honestly, okay, talk about the difference between the narrow path and the wide path. That scripture passage has nothing to do about afterlife destination. You can go and read the full context of it. The narrow path is the path of of mercy. And few will take this path. Why? Because especially in American society, we are raised and trained with justice and eye for an eye mentality. Mm -hmm. And the way of Jesus is not that way. Justice looks like mercy every time. And that is so hard because so, there's so many painful things that happen to us. And we, man, that person needs to get what they're, they have coming for them, you know? Right. And, the, and so the narrow way is a way of love. The narrow way is the way of love. And honestly, I mean, Gandhi said it best. He says, I love your Christ. I just don't like your Christians. And if we're the type of Christians that cause more damage than good, then maybe we're using our Bible as a weapon 
because you say the Bible clearly says, to beat people up instead of understanding that the Bible was to reveal who God has always been in Jesus so that we could be loving and really challenge the way that people live and, and do life. My, la- my last little, the Bible clearly says, is what are the Ten Commandments? Because we've been raised in American society that the Ten Commandments are from Exodus 20, which were repeated again in Deuteronomy chapter 5. But the Ten Commandments that are recorded in Scripture as the Ten Commandments are found in Exodus 34, and they're very different from the Ten Commandments that you and I would both know and preach. And so the funny thing is, is, is okay, there's some discrepancy. The Bible clearly says, well, what are the Ten Commandments? Go look it up if you have some time. Exodus 34 is the only specific Ten Commandments that is labeled the Ten Commandments, but it's the, it tends to be the version that we're unfamiliar with. So that's what I got on it. We, have, we could give yeah. you a lot more, but again, we don't want to just bombard you with all these things because the point of this podcast wasn't to be like, oh, there's contradictions or, oh, there's some whatever discriminatory, what, what's the word I'm looking for? There's some discrepancies. Discrepancies. Yeah. We're, the point of this was to point you to Jesus ultimately, that Jesus is the God that we worship, that Jesus is the living word of God that's still alive and active in your life. And if you're following after Jesus, but there's not love in your heart, then as Paul calls you, you're just a gonging sound or, dang it, you're you're texting over yeah. there, not listening to me. I'm not texting. My, someone's texting me, but I'm, not, I'm actually trying to the get into something. Because you, you mentioned, though, too, like, People use the Bible as a weapon. Yeah. And then some people's immediate response, because the first thing I thought of, well, it does say it's a sword, right, Corey? Oh, yeah. Hebrews 4. And so Hebrews 4, 12. And I, that's what I was actually just looking up. You know, it talks about how the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged uh, sword. And here again, this translation said, it penetrates even a dividing soul, spirits, joints, marrow. It judges the hearts and the thought uh, of people. And basically, but what it goes on to say in the translation should be he, not he. it. Yep. Because he is what? It wasn't Jesus. talking about the Bible, <laughs> the written word. It was talking about Jesus. Yeah. And so ultimately we're Jesus people. You don't have to be worried or concerned about the things that we believe. We believe that people need to learn less about what the scripture says and more about loving the way that Jesus loved. Yeah. It's all about Jesus. All so that, Jesus. that's the lens we should view everything in. When we come to anything scripture, anything in life, we view it through the through the lens of Jesus. Yeah. So stop. Doesn't align with Jesus. So stop saying the Bible clearly says, start loving like Jesus loved. Stop using the Bible as a weapon and just be love. Yep. That's Man, it. That was really good. I like that. Yeah. And just know, speaking of that, you're loved and there's nothing you can do about it. <laughs>